Welcome to Susie Petrozzi's Empowered Conversations. With over 20 years of experience as a clinical psychologist, Susie is an expert at taking people on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery. Join Susie as she talks to remarkable people who share their insights and lessons for living a purpose-driven life to inspire you in your own journey. Welcome to my next guest, Carrie Sutcliffe, who is an award-winning hypnobirthing Australia childbirth educator and university researcher. She is passionate about helping women and partners to achieve a positive birth experience and whatever that may look like for them. Originally from the UK, Carrie has three children whose birth each taught her something about herself. She's currently embarking on a PhD looking at how antenatal education techniques are applied during labour and how the birth partner and care providers impact this. Whilst she would love to give birth again, (laughs) these days Carrie gets her high from empowering other couples with the knowledge and skills needed to achieve their best birth. Carrie, thank you so much for being on Empowered Conversations. Great. Thanks for having me, Susie. You know, Carrie, I can't help but ask, how the heck do you do it? Three kids doing your work and then embarking on a PhD. <laughs> How do I do it? Some days I don't know. Um, it, it's a juggle, right? Um, and I think, regardless of our circumstances, mums, we're always doing what we can when we can to the best of our ability. And some days I think I'm achieving it really well, mm-hmm. and other days I don't. Um, so for me, it's just about having good support from my um, husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to be pretty organized, I guess, because, yeah, life is busy with three children, um, a university job, a hypnobirthing business and a PhD. But I love everything that I do. So I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, that definitely sounds like the key. I mean, look, I had um, John, my husband, who did the PhD and it was it was a heavy load, you know, for him, for everyone. So wow, you know, I really take my hat off to you, but it sounds like there are some key skills that are helping you through. Now, Kerry, I would love to go back to, um, I suppose, knowing more about how did you come to do this incredible, you know, um, work that you do? Mm -hmm. It was very accidental. Um, I literally fell into this line of work through my own experiences of giving birth. So my children are currently six, seven, and eight. Um, So rewinding eight or so years ago when we were pregnant with our first baby, my background is in counseling and psychology, working predominantly with people with anxiety and depression. But we were pregnant with our first child and I was heading towards the birth with a plan, a so-called plan to just turn up on the day, wing it, somehow get through childbirth. Other people got through it somehow. Therefore, I'll be able to do it and come out the other side with a baby because we wanted to um, start a family. And one day when I was at work, I saw a poster up on the wall that said something like, you know, would you like an enjoyable or relaxing birth, something like that. So it grabbed my attention because I thought, what is this poster on about? An enjoyable birth. You know, all I had in my mind at that point was what we see in the movies and TV, where it's this really overly painful event that somehow you get through. Um, and that's what I thought it was going to be like. So I went along to a information session about hypnobirthing back in the UK and it grabbed my attention, you know, what it was telling me about, you know, kind of the power of the mind and how we can kind of 
help to condition our body to relax during labor. I, I gravitated towards it because of the other work that I was already doing. Mm. So I ended up doing a course back in the UK um, and ultimately um, went into my first birth where I remember walking into the hospital and I, I there was some doubts still niggling there because I'd never done it before. So like a lot of pregnant women, you know, when you've not done it before, you're not sure what it's going to be like. You're not sure how you're going to cope. And I remember walking in thinking, I hope I'm, I'm doing okay. I feel like I'm doing okay. But I hope they don't say that I'm just two centimeters. And it happened that when we arrived at the hospital, I was fully dilated. They could see the baby's head and they said, let's go have this baby. And I gave birth um, a couple of hours later after arriving at hospital. And I remember coming out of that birth going, I would do that again today, <laughs> um, which wasn't what my peers around me were saying about mm. birth. And it wasn't that there was anything special about me. It's just that I'd done something to prepare for birth. And I came out of that first experience going, wow, this is amazing. Birth can actually be a really positive experience. It was intense, but I came out of it going, this is fabulous. Mm. And that really then kind of set me off on this this journey, this path of, of going down this route of then teaching other women and partners about birth and going into the, the role of research and so on. So really, it was my, my own birth experiences. Um, three children in 33 months. I became wow. a little bit addicted in some ways <laughs> to giving birth. Each birth was different and unique. Um, mm. But I came out of each one going, that was great. Mm. So how was it with the third child? I'm just curious because you shared your first experience in second. Mm-hmm. And by the third one, you would have had some, you know, I, I, I presume some extra preparation or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of what each birth taught me, the first one really kind of showed me how powerful my body was and how amazing it was. It was amazing, uh, capable of amazing things. Mm. So I think then leading into the second birth, then that gave me a lot of confidence about, you know, kind of trusting my body, trusting the process. Mm. But then interestingly, my third birth, every birth is different and unique. And my third birth, um, I suppose taught me patience because with my first two children, once there were signs that I was in labor it went on and materialized into giving birth. Whereas with my third, I had two evenings where I thought I was in labor and I was very much experiencing contractions and so on. But I was then going to bed to get some rest. Mm -hmm. And I actually woke up the, the next morning and they'd subsided. So this isn't something that I'd experienced in my first two labors. So, you know, every birth is different and unique. But yes, with, with each birth, they all give me this sense of confidence and capability of being able to do it. So I was looking forward to giving birth after, after my first child. Mm. Wow. What a, you know, what, what a, what a place to be in to, to look forward to it. And would you say that that had to do with the, with the preparation that you had done through, it was it hypnobirthing at the time? Um, back in the UK, it was a program that was called easy birthing. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it was, it was, you know, similar types of, of content um, and looking at, you know, the kind of getting your mind in the right place leading mm -hmm. up to birth. Because mm -hmm. I think people often naturally start to focus on the, the physical act of giving birth. You know, can I do mm -hmm. this? Will mm -hmm. I be able to cope with the pain? Will I manage, et cetera? But 
getting your mindset into a really positive place in the lead up to birth is really, really powerful too, because your body is going to kind of respond Mm. in a way based on where your mindset's at. So if we go into birth feeling really fearful and feeling really worried and scared, that's more likely to lead us to feel tense during the laboring process, which will lead to additional pain because we're kind of tensing up, we're closing, we're tightening. And that's not the goal of birth. The goal of birth is to let go, allow our body Mm. to expand and surrender to the process and work with that sensations that we're feeling. Mm. So yeah, definitely that preparation played a big part of of um, you know, getting me ready for birth, mm. you know, not just turning up on the day and winging it and hoping for the best, but actually knowing that there's a lot you can do in advance to prepare your mind and body for, you know, the the, the act of, of giving birth to your baby. I, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to be able to witness um witness others going through this, not necessarily birth, but certainly just see them change from when they're doing the training with you and then perhaps towards the end. Can you talk about that? Maybe share a little bit about how it changes them, like especially around having that changing the mindset, because we know, I mean, you and I know how important this is given our um, given our training, you know, both being counsellors, psychologists, but I, I, you know, generally people know that anyway. Particularly given the the current pandemic, I mean, if it well, if it's not for our mindset, we will have a really, really, really difficult time. I mean, there's so many other factors that play in that, but yeah, if you can share more around that, yeah, I mean, I think you know when people come onto Hypnobirthing Australia courses with me. Um, but there's different starting points. You know, some people might come in with a quite, you know, a, a positive outlook on birth and perhaps they're on the course because they're going, I do believe that birth is this really positive event that I'm capable of doing it. But I just want to know what are the skills, what are the techniques, how can I manage this labor and birth? And then I have a lot of people as well who attend because they're very scared. They're very anxious. They're very worried about, you know, this Im- impending event that they, they have to, you know, mm. tackle at some point. Nobody's ever stayed pregnant forever. You know, the, the day is going to come along where they're going to give birth to their baby. Mm. And I think part of changing that mindset is also understanding, you know, what's happening during the labor process and how your body is set up to manage this. So when we talk about things like the hormones that are involved that are there to assist a woman during labor and the way that her body um, will change to help to um, accommodate the the baby being born, the way even the baby themselves um, are kind of um, set up to work with the birthing process. All of a sudden then when people can understand what's happening, how it's happening, the way that we're designed to do this, Mm. it then helps to build their sense of trust in their own bodies and their capability of being able to do this. So I think a lot of it as well is just that education around a woman's body, the birthing Mm. process, and when they can understand that, they can then see themselves working with it more because sometimes we, we, we can be quite far removed from birth sometimes these days. We're not around it yeah. in the same way that we used to be in, in years gone by. 
Yeah. Um, often the first time a woman sees a, a birthing room will be when she's giving birth, whereas mm-hmm. we used to be around birth a lot more in kind of generations in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a bit more re- removed from it. So getting them to understand themselves, their body, and really working on those fears in the lead up to birth um, and replacing it with a more confident mindset so that when we're in a, a positive headspace, whether that's feeling strong calm, confident, relaxed, whatever that means to that woman, then when labor comes along, she's a lot more likely to be able to release that tension and to work with the laboring process. And then instead of conceiving it as pain, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, there can be a change in that perception. Mm-hmm. So rather than just seeing it as pain, they start to then see that actually this is the strength of my body. This is my body working to bring that baby to me. So that shift in perception around pain can be really important too um, in terms of how a woman then kind of surrenders to that process of giving birth and works with what she's feeling. Mm. It's so empowering, isn't it? This knowledge that Mm. is available if we can find it, if we want to, if... um, um, if we can, yeah, if we can have access to it. I mean, you do this privately, Carrie, right? I just wonder whether some of these courses are being offered within hospitals themselves for those women who perhaps can't afford to or are not able to access for whatever reason. Yeah. And, you know, hospitals now um, are starting to pick up on some of these things. Um, it's interesting within hospitals that, you know, that they probably do need a little bit of a shake up sometimes when it comes to um, some of the hospital classes. Mm-hmm. I do have some private um, clients who do say, you know, the hospitals didn't tell me about this. They just talked to me about what drugs were on offer and mm-hmm. when we could have an epidural or or whatever else it might be. So I do think, you know, there's an opportunity there to to shake up the hospital education. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm working on in terms of the, the role that I have at the university. Um, but also women often seek that independent childbirth education as well because hospitals themselves can be sometimes restricted by policies and guidelines Mm. um, and things that they kind of then have to to fall under, whereas an independent childbirth course um, can really kind of go where it needs to go. Um, So sometimes the hospital classes might be a little bit restricted, but they are picking up on them as well. You know, I'm hearing clients as well tell me feedback um, from hospital classes because some women choose to do both. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they really see that kind of knowledge is power and they want to do the hospital classes so they can engage with them and find out more about what's happening in terms of those processes in the hospital and doing the independent courses too, because they they want that kind of independent side of it. Um, and classes like my own where we are looking at empowering women and saying, okay, if you don't want to take drugs during birth or you're keen to um, delay them as much as possible, here's this stuff that you could be doing to to manage labour and birth as well. Um, So, but I am getting feedback from women are saying, you know, I walked into my hospital class and it was kind of introduced by now this is the things that we're here to tell you. And here's some of our policies based at this hospital. Mm. However, this is your birth and you can decide what you want to do, when you want to do it and how you want to do it. And that is very empowering because Mm. many women don't know that every choice and decision during childbirth 
is theirs to make. Mm. They are in control of those decisions. Um, And I think sometimes that may feel a little overwhelming for women. Um, But at the same time, as um, it being, you know, a sense of great responsibility, with Mm. that then comes a sense of great power. So if Mm. I know that I can make the decisions and the choices, that can be very empowering for women. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, and women need to know that. Um, now, Kerry, in terms of your work currently, um, so how involved, I guess in terms of timeline, how involved are you with um, your participants? Is it just during that um, the workshop series or training? Is, is there, is there um, mm-hmm. post follow-up that happens that, you know, you're a part of that you can witness what's happened as a result of, you know, some of the training that they've done with you? Yeah. So the majority of my clients would attend a course with me at some point after 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. I think something kind of clicks in their mind when they go past that kind of halfway-ish point mm. um, that they go, okay, I need to do something to prepare for the birth. So most women will come and attend a course with me anytime after 20 weeks. And I've worked with women as late as 38 weeks. Um, and that's usually because women haven't heard about it until they're getting quite close to the birth and you know they're wanting to do something. Ideally, they would come sooner than that because the techniques, you need to practice them. You know, it, I always say mm. my courses are not a magic wand. People yeah. can't come along to a course with me and then go, right, well, I've attended the, t- the course, I've ticked the box, so therefore I'm going to get the birth that I want. It's really about attending the course and then you have to go away and keep working on the the techniques mm. that, you know, we talk about things like breathing, acupressure, massage, visualization and so on. Mm. So it's really about getting acquainted with those techniques so that when the day of birth comes along, you're feeling very confident to use them. It's a very autonomic, automatic um, response to using them and giving you the opportunity to go away and do further reading to empower yourself and so on. So once the the mother and the birth partner have attended a course um, with me, I always say I'm still here because once they go away and they start practicing those techniques, that's when some questions might come up as well. You know, clarification of, am I doing this technique correctly? What was this for? How do I use it? Um, They might want further information on a certain topic. And I do not give medical advice that is beyond my scope, Mm. but I can direct them, you know, towards useful resources that come from, you know, reputable places because Dr. Google can tell us anything Mm. and everything. Um, So I can help provide them with some information that they can then go back and and talk to their caregivers about. But I do say, you know, I'm always here. I don't want anybody going into birth with a question mark around something. And then after the birth, you know, I I reach out to them as well. I always want to hear about these babies being born. <laughs> that's that moment when I get those phone calls or those emails or those text messages where, you know, it's from the mum or the dad um, and they're telling me about the birth, you know, every time it, it's a goosebump moment. It's not lost on me, um, the significance of this because, mm. yes, I've had my children, um, but it wasn't that long ago and welcoming a baby into the world is such a special moment um, that I really want that to be the most positive experience it can be 
for that um, woman and her partner and their baby as it possibly can be, you know, regardless mm. of how the birth unfolds, because there's many different ways in which a, a baby might be born and various things that might happen along the way, but ensuring that however that happens, mm. it still has, you know, it's, it's a positive experience, um, whatever positive looks like for, mm. for that woman, you know, it looked positive experience looks and feels like different things to different people and that's okay you know this is not about being prescriptive saying that in order to have a positive birth it must include that and it mustn't include this there's a whole spectrum of of the way that births might unfold and wherever the birth lies on that spectrum it should just be you know the, the best possible experience it can be Mm. that's so important i can really relate to that because i you know, I, my husband and I had done hypnobirthing for, um, I think for my first child only, and I had to have emergency cesarean for both of them. But mm-hmm. even so, that training set me up just to, with time, accept that it didn't quite go as I wanted to. And from the training that I had received then, it was through Peter Jackson's um, hypnobirthing, mm-hmm. It's there's still something that lingers from that, you know, the importance of visualization, the importance of breathing. And it kind of takes me to another question that I want to ask you because you've been in this work for so long, because you understand the body. I mean, I know that you're always learning, but you really have a great understanding of how the female, how the woman's bodies um, works, particularly during pregnancy, but before or after. And I'm curious, Kerry, how does that empower you? So that knowledge in your life now. How does it empower me now? Your um, knowledge of the body, yeah. My knowledge of the body. Um. I suppose it empowers me through, I was going to say empowering others, but I don't empower others. Um, When I first started out in this work, I thought, oh, by doing these courses, I'm going to empower these women. They're all going to walk out and they're going to be able to do this. Mm. And over time, I think you realize that actually I can only offer these things and it's that woman's responsibility for empowering herself then. She has to want to be able to use these things she has to be able to use these things she has to have the right support around her as well sometimes to help facilitate that so I think it's really you know I feel empowered thinking that I'm passing this on to other women so that they can now Mm -hmm. have their positive experience because you know I would love to give birth again in some ways um (laughs) i also know we've got our three children and we're we're done kind of thing i feel very fortunate to have that and i can't just keep on having babies um so i kind of live vicariously through them i suppose um by by passing it on to onto them um yeah that's what empowers me i suppose you know knowing that i can be making a difference to arguably one of the most important life events Mm. we go through for other people Mm, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. And, and also such an important point, um, that you said on, on being a woman's responsibility for, so you can share past the knowledge, but ultimately it's up to the woman to then continue on, for example, with the practices and to really make the most of that experience for herself, um, moving forward. Um, 
you know, the, okay, I have another question, uh, slightly different, and it's still on, it's still on the theme of empowerment. Um, how does, so, you know, as a woman now, having given birth and empowering others, how does then knowing what you know about, about the body, how does that help you with your own body as a woman at this particular stage in your life, whatever that may be? Just repeat that again, Susie. <laughs> how does knowing what, what you I know, know about, about a woman's body, mm-hmm. um, physiologically, psychologically, energetically, how does that help you in knowing and perhaps befriending and, you know, just having uh, having a kind of a relationship with your own body? Mm. I think I suppose the, the kind of the words that are kind of flicking into my mind thinking about that is I suppose love acceptance and respect for my body I suppose um in our younger years I think sometimes we can get really caught up in you know the ways that our our body we think isn't serving us you know and and we're kind of wishing it was a bit more like this and a bit like that and so on and then when you've been through the process of birth you kind of think I never realized just how amazing my body is Mm. and I, I suppose it gives me a greater respect for what women's bodies are capable of um yeah I don't know it's it's not really something maybe it's something I I should give more thought to um to me it sounds like yeah to me it sounds like there's you know uh, there's a respect towards your own body and um, because Mm -hmm. of that understanding of what it's capable and perhaps um you know relationship and because of that that there's that you know, there's um, a loving relationship towards it, which is so important. And this is what I've been, you know, this is what I've been thinking all along as I've been hearing you share on on empowering women or, you know, empowering them with the knowledge and but also sharing how amazing our bodies are. And part of me yeah. wants to then, you know, go into in the direction of, but we don't have to just what, you know, what difference would it make to teach some aspects of this to to girls, you know, um, teenage girls to understand Mm. how brilliant the bodies are. Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, this whole topic of empowering, like you say, younger girls as well about what the body's capable of doing during birth. I, I wish that I could in some ways get to women earlier um, Mm. even before they're pregnant um, to talk to them about birth, different models of care, um, and so on, because, you know, it's sometimes it might feel like we're pregnant for a long time for nine ish or so months. Mm. Um, but it's not a huge amount of time to then all of a sudden throw ourselves into upskilling ourselves, gaining the knowledge. It's a big transition in a short period of time. Mm. Um, and to start some of that work sooner, um, so that before we're even pregnant, we've got an idea of what our bodies might be doing, what models mm. of care would suit us and our vision for what we'd like the birth to be. Um, I, I definitely think there's there's opportunity there to mm. get in before a woman's pregnant to start thinking about these things. Mm. Yeah, I definitely like the sound of that. Um, Kerry, um, 
back to you and your journey, um, you mentioned that you are now involved, that you're, you've got a job at university, you're doing your PhD. So what's, what do you, you know, what is, what are you looking into? I know that at the beginning I mentioned how, um, you're looking specifically at the antenatal education techniques, mm-hmm. um, and how far into your PhD journey are you? It's early days. I just started it earlier this year. Um, And what I'm looking at is I was interested to know um, women come along, they gain this antenatal education, you know, the information and the techniques and so on. And what is it during the labor and birth that helps it to be used or not. Um, so I'm looking at the kind of the the relational factors. Um, so looking at the influence of the birth partner, mm-hmm. whether that might be often it's the person that somebody's in a romantic relationship with, but it might also be a family member or a friend or a doula. Um, so what impact do they have on helping the woman to to use this kind of stuff during the labor and birth, as well as the care provider too. Mm-hmm. Um, what impact do they have on really helping to either facilitate this and encourage the woman and incorporate it and, you know, really go alongside her in terms of helping her to, to bring this kind of stuff into the birthing room or potential barriers, you know, what kind of mm-hmm. things get in the way that kind of stop the woman going actually I couldn't get into the groove and I couldn't apply it and this happened and then I you know what is it about in the actual moment that is helping women to either apply it or not apply it and Mm. what influence does that have um yeah because I think it's you know I, I do hear from women and their stories and some of them seem to be you know totally in the zone really in the in the the groove of using things and talk about, you know, supportive midwives, supportive obstetricians, partners, Mm -hmm. etc. And sometimes as well, you know, we hear, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get into the focus of it and and so on. So really exploring, you know, it from the the woman, is it something about the woman Mm -hmm. um, or is it the impact of those around her, which either encourage or inhibit the use of, of these kind of techniques. What an important question, Kerry. I really look forward to hearing more about that when you're when, you know, as the as the um, as your PhD or research progresses, um, to mm-hmm. see what comes out of that. And I imagine that you'll be able to make a big contribution to the field. Um, now 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 to you and your vision. I know you talked mm-hmm. about women's visions for their birth, which is so important. What about your vision? What's your vision for your life here with the work that you do, but also your family and your own life? Um, my vision at the moment is to, I suppose, keep on doing the things that I'm currently doing. I, I, I'm feeling at the moment that I'm in the, the right place and on the right path. So doing more of the same, I suppose. So my vision is to complete my PhD. Um, I feel like that will give me the opportunity to to kind of reach a bigger audience through publications and academia and so on. And also to, you know, gain those new insights and and fill those gaps in knowledge from a a research perspective. Um, It's to continue um, delivering the Hypnobirthing Australia programs, you know, having that interaction 
with the woman and the partner. Um, that's really important for me. I don't want to be completely removed from that in a kind of a research type setting. Mm. You know, I want to be still working with those people, hearing their stories, having that impact on a more one-to-one type basis. Um, and then for my family too, um, at the moment, they're they're sacrificing a bit I'm at, at the moment, I suppose, to help support me in in these things that I'm pursuing. Um, my husband's such a an important person, you know, he he's really picking up some of the slack when I'm having to, you know, dedicate a bit more time and, mm. and energy and so on to some other things. So, you know, I'm hugely appreciative of that. But, you know, just making sure as well that we can um, enjoy the journey as well. It's not all about the end result of completing the PhD or whatever yeah. else it might be um, to stay connected throughout that process as well um because as you'll know kids grow up quick and it's, mm-hmm. it sounds like a bit of a cliche um but often my husband reminds me he, he kind of says you know we've probably got them for 18 summers think of it like that <laughs> oh wow um, and it's like when you think of it like that it's like yeah, it's not a long time before yeah they're gonna go off and start making their own way in the world um and so just to make sure that I don't kind of blink and miss it too much because mm. life is busy. We are juggling lots of things. And I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, and it's really important to check in at moments so that you don't just have hindsight, but you're very conscious of where you're at, mm. what you're doing and how you want to appreciate things in the moment now. Yeah. And not just look back on them and wish you'd done something or, or whatever else. It's so refreshing um, to hear that that balanced approach. I mean, you, you um, whilst it's challenging navigating uh, a lot of the things that you're working on, I, I sense that your passion and commitment helps you to stay grounded and to stay in balance as much as po- possible. I mean, it's never a constant. Um, Kerry, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Um, I, I can just feel the importance of the work that you're doing and I can feel the ripples that, um, you will have in terms of, um, in terms of birthing and in terms of helping and supporting women in, you know, in years to come. Great. And I think what you just said there, actually, you know, that the ripple, I do think this is a ripple effect and the more that women have positive experiences and tell other women about that. And again, like I say, you know, a positive experience can look and feel like different things to different people, then it will have this ripple effect. Um, And, you know, hopefully more and more people will go on to really enjoy their births. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Susie Petruzzi's Empowered Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe as episodes are released weekly. Leaving a review helps others find the podcast. And for more information, visit suzypetrozzi.com.